Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Reach Football um, Digest podcast and thanks so much for joining us this week. And uh, the gang's actually all back together, I think, actually for quite some time really, um, which is nice. Jeremy Cross. Andy Dunn and Matt Dunn. So nice to see you guys. We've learned plenty to discuss. The midweek reviews, I guess, City reclaiming top spot after, after Arsenal briefly uh, briefly reclaimed um, the Premier League summit, but not for long, clearly. Um, and, and and so we'll look at the title race. I think Haaland breaking that Premier League goals record. What a fantastic um, achievement, really. Um, Jürgen Klopp and his comments. Um, and Sam Allardyce to Leeds, what an unlikely story that is. I just, I mean, I just, yeah, I just can't believe it. Well, if he's, if he's as good as, as good as Pep as he says he is, presumably he'll, he'll, you know, get a draw against Man City on Saturday because defeat wouldn't that be a, wouldn't that be a, you know, admission of, um, of weakness. But anyway, we'll see. He's got, he's got one of his big defenders, um, on the show anyway, big Sam, hasn't he, Matt? So we'll see. Um, anyway, go. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, guys. Let's start with with Manchester City and and West Ham because I tell you what, we're launching into Manchester City's remarkable run of games now, aren't we? The challenge more, I think, is is the number of games and um, the sheer fixture list rather than the actual direct opposition, isn't it? Is that how you see it, um, Desert? In terms of you know, in terms of the the challenge that awaits Man City and if they're going to win the title. Yeah, well, no, that you know, you go, you go up, you go in on the hunt for a treble, and it's going to put the ultimate demands on your squad. But City have such an amazing squad. I mean, last night we rested Edison, um, thought he needed a break. Um, he had Foden on the bench and um, Gundogan on the bench. You know, two two great great players, um, and they're still. I mean, De Bruyne was injured as well. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. Uh, I don't think it's anything serious. So you know. There's four key players that didn't even start last night for City. And I mean, 
Dunny will probably agree with me on this. They made hard work of it in the first half. They weren't that good. You know, they often puffed a bit. They had a few half chances. The West Ham were very organised and resolute at the back. And then once they got that goal, you know, that's it. The game was over, really. But um, they have incredible strength in depth. That's what they've spent all this money for, to go deep into competitions, you know. And I think that if they get to the final of the Champions League, it'll be they'll have nine games. Well, you know, if you can keep Erling Haaland fit, we'll come on to him, obviously. But if you can keep him fit and he keeps scoring goals, then, you know, they can achieve whatever they want to achieve. I don't, I mean, Guardiola said that players don't look tired, which is astonishing when you consider how many games they've played. And there's been a World Cup as well this winter. But, you know, um, they find a way to peak at the right time each, each season. And it is astonishing. I know we keep saying but it is astonishing how they keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And Andy, is he, you know, last night it felt like, I love the guard of honour, by the way, for Erling Haaland. That was, that was great. Was it was it ever was it ever tough? They just or do they just find a way? Do you think? Uh, yeah, it was tough in parts. It was tough in the first half. You know, they West Ham were all that. Just the guard of honor, by the way, it was great, wasn't it? Just, just to feel a little bit as though maybe they could have seen the guard of honor for you know later in the season. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand what Pep said. You know that that when you get you know a special achievement uh, like Haaland um, as manager now, then it's important to mark that moment. And it was nice. Yeah, I didn't expect it. I have to say. I, I actually didn't expect them to do it. I expected them to be all very businesslike. We've won another game, you know. And when we've maybe when we've won, when we've won a trophy, then 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 we'll start celebrating personal achievements. But it was nice, and you'd have to be extremely curmudgeonly to sort of suggest that it was a bit sort of like you know out of kilter. But it, it is, you know, you know, he deserved that. Um, was it tough? Um, yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, I mean, but I, I, again, as Jeremy says, you always get the impression with City that not only can they, not only can they score at any time, they can score a clutch of goals at any time. They can take a game away from the opposition in in a, a sort of relative, you know, in football terms, the blink of an eye. Um, and, and essentially, that's pretty much what they did. And they can do that in any game. I mean, I think we saw it when, for example, when they scored two. Against Bayern Munich, you know they 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 took the game away from Bayern Munich in the in the quarterfinals of the Champions League in the space of fifteen twenty minutes. This is a team that can do that, you know. And again, last night, you know, we were sat there chatting. Well, you know, what will they do? And and one, uh, what what will they do if, if it stays like this? As it happened, they were gifted a gifted a lead when you know Nathan Ake was unmarked just to you know to head in a um uh Mares free kick, wasn't it? Or you always thought that it would co- if it came to the hour mark and they had, didn't have the breakthrough, then obviously they have the options. You know, I, I mean, Gundogan on the bench. You know, he, he surely would have brought Gundogan on <clears throat> to unpick. You know, quite a well organised West Ham defence, Phil Foden, etc., etc. So although you thought, well, you know what, you know, they're actually a little bit for them relatively devoid of ideas in that first half. No, nothing was really coming off. Grealish was probably back to over-elaborating like he can do now and again. Things weren't just going for them. I mean, they hit the post twice, to be fair, in that first half. Um, one of which, certainly, Rodri, you thought he would have scored. But you always thought those options Jeremy talked about. And that's an important point about the options he's got on the squad he's got. I don't think it can be... When, they, when, when they're giving out the medals, Manchester City, at the end of this season, to their squad, they should have a special set of medals minted for their medical and physical stuff. Because to get to this stage in the season, 
with, and okay, Kevin De Bruyne is injured. You suspect he's, he's injured, but he's also maybe being getting 100% ready for this final push for Madrid, for the FA Cup final, for the title finale. So really, to get to this stage in the season, Ake was back last night having had a little break with injury. To get to this stage of the season with almost a completely clean bill of health, and not only that, as Jeremy says, they look fit, they look you're absolutely, there's no signs of fatigue throughout the entire squad. Don't forget, players like Rico Lewis started games, you know, and he's not starting any games. They've still got that option. They've still got Cole Palmer. They've still got, you know, a, a £40 million pounds or whatever. I can't even remember how much he was now. In Calvin Phillips, who got another token sort of two minutes last night. He's an England first-choice player. He's an England first-choice player. Imagine how fit he is. I mean, I mean, he's probably not match fit, but to have that many options and to be, to have a squad in this shape at this stage of the season, they're very fortunate. You know, you know, and if you look around it, and again, listen, they're they're clearly the best team in the league. But if you look at the whole the season as a whole, in terms of which team out of the leading teams, so I'm speaking now about Arsenal, about Liverpool, about Manchester United, which team have suffered less from absenteeism, whether that be through injury or through suspension, and it's Manchester City. So, I don't think I've seen a team that. We're thinking now, okay, you know, there's a lot of games. Nine games, you say, it could be an all. Um, is this squad ready for that? Is this squad fit enough for that? Will this squad tire? Will this squad hit the wall? I mean, the answer's absolutely not. I mean, absolutely not a chance. But Erling Haaland, remember one of the one of the reservations, apart from the fact that, as Pep was very, very um, sort of happy to point out last night, there were some people when he had a poor game in the Community Shield against Liverpool, suggested that he wasn't... Um, he might not be cut out for the Premier League. That worked out well, didn't it? But as he was happy, but the thing, in that sense, the other reservation, one of the other reservations, minor reservations, or, and that's our job in a way, to actually find ways to actually discuss it, well, will Haaland be a success? And one of the reservations that was expressed about him was that he has had some injury issues um, in, in his relatively short. And he clearly is, you know, his physique, would suggest that he might suffer injuries. The guy is not an injury. I mean, I think he's missed one or two games, allegedly with injuries, but really, he has not had a problem. And he looks absolutely, he looks like he'll play 90 minutes every game. And in that sense, you know, and I think even Guardiola's hinted at that when someone asked him, I think he was out in Munich. I think it might have been one of the, uh, it might have been a Norwegian journalist who basically expressed this about like, you know, how how you've got him in such magnificent shape and how you've managed him physically. And Guardiola agreed that that was a hugely important part of it, that they have managed Erling Haaland physically brilliantly. You're absolutely brilliant. And, 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 and touch wood, that continues to the end of the season because we want to see what more records he can break and how many more goals he can get because it's, it, it's a joy to watch him play at the moment. The other thing to take into account, Crossing, going back to your original question is, while Guardiola has not even discussed the treble, he won't, he won't even entertain it. The players are happy to say, we want to win the treble. That's our focus. Well, and why should have they? And they are living on adrenaline now and they are so determined to win all three. That's what, that's what will get them through any sort of tiredness or, you know, lack of concentration because they're so focused and he won't, he, Guardiola will just not let, let up. I realise they've got the deepest squad, the deeper squad. And, you know, they've got a multitude of options. But I do think Guardiola 
you know, deserves so much credit. And, and basic rotating just at the right time, you know, so you'll pick that player out. And, and basically, you know, sometimes in previous seasons, maybe it hasn't worked, but every, every decision has come off this season. There's no luck, I, I don't feel. But there's still, uh, there's still, no matter how much you rotate, there's still an element of, of, of fortune in, in having a, cl- a clean bill of health because, you know, collision injuries can happen, whatever. But what, it's funny how you say, it, okay, and he does rotate, but, you know, in general, it, it's only minor rotations now. It, it, it's, it's, it's not the big rotations that we saw. It, 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 you can pretty much know what his first choice team will be. For example, Grealish is playing, you know, is that, that's that's a prime example. Grealish now is part, of, there is a first choice 11 and Grealish, for example, is part of it. And that benefits him because, I mean, I, I, you know, someone, someone said like, you know, probably part of the reason that he, that he doesn't rest Grealish for the odd game is because he doesn't know what he'll do while he's resting. Basically, at least he knows where he is when he's on the pitch, you know, you know what I mean, rather than out in town or whatever. So, well, I mean, that's only half half in jest because Grealish is clearly benefiting from playing game after game. He's never looked fitter. He's never looked sharper. And he's benefiting from having that. And, and, and I think Pep probably knows that. That actually, you know what? There are certain players within that squad who who are used to Pep and who, who are quite, sort of, I wouldn't say happy because no one will be happy with being rotated, but buy into it more than others. And I think Grealish was one who, who last year, it didn't benefit him to be rotated. And Pep's realised that. There are other players who, who just seem to be, as I say, I'm not saying they're not bothered, and it may lead to a couple leaving in, in, in the summit. But players like Bernardo Silva, Gundogan even to a certain extent, you know, they just, they're just used to it. And they just seem to, you know, have no, have no problem coming, at, you know, playing for certain games, playing, you know, doing a job. And he has just got it down to, and, and if there's one or two who don't like the rotation when then Jav Cancelo can tell you what happened to them. Just going to say the one player who didn't enjoy it was Cancelo. Look what happened to him. He just got rid of him, didn't he? So I went to him and said, Bayern Munich, want to sign me? He said, get yourself off then. He, 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 let, he let him go, happily let him go. Uh, it hasn't affected City one bit in the second half of the season. He is a good player, Cancelo, by the way. Pep, what he seems to have done is got a grasp of the five substitute rule better than anybody else. Because that's come in in the last couple of seasons and he's using it brilliantly. He doesn't have to leave people off the team sheet. You know, 16 of those players know they're probably going to play at some point. And he uses that brilliantly. It's interesting you say that because down the line, there's been huge criticism of yeah, I, 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 Pep. You know, I think Andy, you've written columns about it. Basically, in, 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 in basically previous times, you know, Klopp has gone on one, hasn't he, basically, and then called on his, on his sort of kind of Premier League powers almost to back him up saying we need five subs. And Guardiola's almost been bullied into speaking up and saying what a good idea this is. Meanwhile, the previous night, he didn't use a single sub. Look, Arsenal on, um, on Tuesday night, we were both there. Arsenal needed to respond, didn't they? I mean, it, do you think they... It, do you think that their win over Chelsea was the response needed? Have they are they still, you know, in with a say in the title race in any man and shape or form? Have they got a shout? It's perfectly within their abilities to to win every game this season. But it's now, you know, they've just got to sit and watch Manchester City and pray for a miracle because that that slip up doesn't seem to be coming. It was I tell you what, it was a good time to be playing Chelsea. Uh, they needed a, a nice easy run out to. Uh, to bounce back from that game of the weekend, and then Chelsea provided that. 
Uh, I mean, it was incredible. The only player in the Chelsea side who showed any sort of uh, sort of in, in, intent or anything was Maduaki. And uh, and Chelsea seem to always even manage to spend twenty nine million on a young English player, which all the other clubs seem to get to for nothing. Uh, the, uh, they they buy theirs for twenty nine million. That's how badly it's going. Um, yeah, I mean that, that that's that's a separate car crash. We've, we've talked about that at length in previous shows, but but no, it was impressive for Arsenal right from the start. They were back on it, um, uh, and I think the beliefs there, the football's there, um, and yeah, it's it's a shame that they've got such a a good Manchester City to compete against because, uh, you know, the the fit is that all this brilliant football that they've played is going to end up being for nothing uh, and picking yourself up from there. Um, you know, it, I think that it'll be interesting to see what they're like next season because I think there was a certain amount of burnout in that Spurs team that pushed Leicester so hard um, uh, and they never quite achieved the heights that they did. You know, they, they, they kind of, a couple of freak results got them to, to the Champions League final, but effectively that 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 Tottenham team peaked in 2016, um, and uh, and it'll be interesting what, what Arsenal team emerges next season, uh, and you know everything's gone for them this season. You know a few few things going against them. See how they ride that. But yeah, they're, they're just going to keep going. Fair play to them, uh, and it is just all eyes on City and and what happens there. Of course, there's no slowing. I mean, Arsenal had a sniffer winning the title this season, which is a remarkable achievement in itself. If they finish second to City, there's absolutely no shame in that because City are one of the, if not the greatest team we've ever seen in the Premier League era. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. I just, I just feel that, you know, having been in a position whereby if you just, you know, if you beat West Ham, if you beat Southampton, you know, they could lose at Man City and have four more points and now be in a situation where what they could even draw at Newcastle, win the rest, and then be champions. But but that's why they have a league table, isn't it? You've got to be able to do it over thirty eight games. I'm also played City twice and lost twice. Yeah, yeah, they have. I, ju- I just I just feel. Listen, they've done brilliantly to live with Man City and City by beating Arsenal twice have, you know, bought themselves a few slip ups that they that they've been able to to you know ride and and still stay in front of Arsenal. Pressy, will he have significant funds to spend in the summer? Do yeah, I do, I do, I do think they'll get Declan Rice, and I do think that they will, you know, they'll look for another midfielder. I think they'll look to add one more defender, and I think they'll look for a, you know, how can I put it, a dynamic winger. I mean, there's been so much on Saka this season; he's been absolutely sensational. But week in, week out, he's got to play down that right hand side. He's got to, you know. Whereas I think, actually, what about you know, so. Saka clearly is brilliant coming in from, from the right and wants to play on the right. Trossard is clearly, you know, is the competition, backup, support, whatever you might call it for Martinelli. And I think they'll look to do something. But someone a bit different, you know, Saka's so quick and direct. I think they'll basically do some something a bit more, you know, a bit, you know, a bit uh, dynamic and quick down that side. So it gives them an option so that, you know, Back in the Champions League, which obviously gives them a bit of, uh, you, you know, sort of extra funds and sort of kind of a leeway FFP wise, and basically, you know, I do think they'll be busy. I think it'll be really interesting to see where they go for. Uh, you know, there's a couple of interesting, you know, depending on what they what they end up doing, other bits. There's interesting frees potentially available, isn't there? In Zaha and Kante, 
I think there might be something in sort of kind of in, in you know, in, in, in Kante, you know, they've already signed Jorginho, but I think, think they'll sign Rice in one other. I really do. So it'd be, be, be interesting. They certainly, but l- listen, the, the other one, Matt, you touched on it and look, we were both at the game um, Tuesday night and Chelsea, and you also did the press conference Monday, which really interested me um, because I feel as if, you know, Chelsea and this terrible losing streak under under Frank Lampard will, well, I don't think Andy did in fairness to him, but basically said it was a bit of a no-brainer for, for Lampard to take over Chelsea. Sorry, Andy, bow to your greater knowledge. And, um, um, <laughs> um, you know, said it was a no-brainer for, for Lampard. But, I mean, Lampard's frustration and anger, I think, with the players. It, it, don't you think there's a bit of a, been a bit of a sea change in his in his attitude? I thought that that reading his Monday comments sort of thing, you know, ahead of the game, and then basically also post match, he was sort of kind of, I don't know. I thought he was sticking it on the players, and I wonder whether I can understand his frustration because blimey, what a great player he was, and what an example he, he, you know he, he he sort of set as a player, and now they're they're falling well short of that. But don't you feel that the you know the mask is slipping a bit really, and he's he's laying it bare on on the players and who's at fault. I think it is a mask slipping because I don't think he's intending to. For whatever reason, he's got into his head. He's not going to blame the players because goodness knows there was a, that was an occasion when he could have done. Um, because Tuesday night just was appalling. It was that, and he earlier in the in the press conference when he's talking generalizations, he's saying, "Well, they're they're not running enough and they're not." Doing all these things that only pride and pers- and and then I I tried to put him so so you're finally blaming the players. He said no no I'm not blaming blaming the players. Oh he been snapped a bit at you didn't he yeah yeah because he said no no I'm not criticising the players. There are reasons he's, you know you might call them excuses why they're not running enough. I'm thinking and I said you know that's not a confidence thing. You know if they're not running enough it's because they're not trying hard enough. And you know I, I'd love you know Frank to sit down and explain to me how is any different. To that, because to my mind, Chelsea will run their holidays. You know, he said, we saw jokes about that beforehand in the press conference, and Frank saying, "Well, I've put my holidays, but I'm still trying." Um, you know, but but they clearly, whatever, they're not playing for him, but mainly because they know that Fred Hampard has no clout over what what their future holds. And this again, we had a row about it um, last week about Pochettino delaying. He doesn't want to get in there uh, uh, and be involved with this mess. And I, um, we were debating whether he should come in now or not. Uh, and I can't understand why he doesn't want to do that. But the Chelsea owners should be saying, look, you know, if you want to be our manager, we need someone in there now sorting this out. Uh, and it's another sign of the lack of power and understanding that the, ma- that the owners have. That there's this ludicrous situation where we pretty much know that they've chosen their next manager, but he doesn't want to come here. And he said, well, hang on a sec, you want the job? Get in now, because now's when we need a new manager. It's not in the summer. You know, what are we doing? You know, at the moment, they've dropped, you know, they're losing millions of pounds per place every time they drop down the table. It's just a mess. Uh, and they're destroying confidence, destroying belief of the fans. Uh, you know, there's empty seats at, at, at Stamford Bridge before kickoff, you know, for, for games that people have already paid for. And the whole thing is just going down the plug hole so quickly that, that you know, the owners need to step up and, and say, you know, you know, yeah, we need you in here now, Pochettino, and you need to look at this and you need to get a grip of this dressing room before that poison's allowed to spread and, and continue over into the summer.
Now, listen, I do want to talk about Liverpool because Liverpool, um, you know, I don't know whether they can catch Man United, can they? I mean, you know, for, for, for fourth place, it seems unlikely if you if you look at it, they've played more and sort of kind of, you know, points behind. Um, um, but it'll be, it'll, that that will be interesting. But we must examine what, you know, Klopp and, and the refereeing fallout, really. I do, I, you know, I, I love Klopp as a manager. I think he's a fabulous manager. His, his touchline conduct is, you know, I do feel as if the FA have got to send a strong message and it could arguably do it quite quickly, frankly, because if he, if he does, as we suspect, you know, bearing, his, bearing in mind his kind of apologetic nature on, on, on Tuesday, then surely he's going to admit the charge and will basically um, maybe have some mitigating circumstances. But you, Jeremy, I mean, the, the, the it, it's such a bad message to send, isn't it? It is. I, I mean, look, we we love Klopp for what he's brought to English football, what he's achieved with Liverpool. You know, um, he's very charismatic, very emotional. But being emotional is not a defence for behaviour like that because these guys, they are the example to the rest of the game. You know, we've got an epidemic of violence and abuse in officials, referees, in grassroots football. You know, there's threatening the entire future um, of football at that level because no one wants to be a referee anymore. The fact is, we don't, if we're not referees, we won't we'll have any football games. So, you know, he has to behave better than that. Um, and I think this is a real opportunity for the FA and the authorities to come down and huddle cop and use, it as, use him as an example. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna ban you for two months, you know, not... Two or three game ban and a fine is absolutely futile. The clubs pay the fine anyway. Two or three games go by in the space of a week. So, you know, it has to be a longer ban than that to make managers. And let's be honest, Klopp's not the only one. Arteta's been guilty of bad behaviour this season. Guardiola's a, you know, he's an annual offender. Uh, Conte was the same when he was at Tottenham and Chelsea. But, you know, we know we're talking about Klopp he's the latest one in the spotlight, but he is by no means the one and only. So they just have to be better. They have to show more respect. I mean, you look at other sports. Rugby was one I would pick out. Cricket's another. Well, the officials just, they are, they are held in res- with esteem and respect. The players treat them accordingly. Football can learn a lot from other sports when it comes to treating how, how players and managers behave when dealing with officials. So I think as long bad would would then it's sending a message strong on it. Yeah, I, I, I do agree, especially when, I have to say, I cannot, you know, I think once people refereeing, former referees and sort of Dermot Gallagher and amongst them a few others were basic, once they'd considered it, it was such a clear red card on, on you know, for Jota, I thought. And then basically, I just can't understand, you know, how, 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 he, how, he, how he, you know, he can't see that there must be some irony in him sort of complaining so bitterly about what was, to me, such a... Because he was reckless, he was out of control. Did, he's almost deliberate, you know, the, the whole deliberate aspect is out of out of the window because it's a red card. You know, once you're out of control, you know, deliberate's out the window. When a manager is injuring himself, like Klopp did with his hamstring, it, uh, when he's so determined to seek retribution on the touchline, he's injured himself. It feels like a tipping point to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It reminds, it reminds me of Jose Mourinho rushing off his off his goal line in a, a game against the uh, a game against the the, the, the press in a, in LA a few years back. Rushed off his line, pulled his hamstring. 
So. I think it's how we, yeah, since I started in journalism all those those years ago, we've been having debates about respect and the rest of it. It's time to bring points deductions in, not for a first offence, but if you're a serial offender, like Klopp is on the verge, I wouldn't say give him a points deduction this time. He should have had, a, this should have been his second red card. This is the one you say, do it again, Jürgen, this season, and you will lose a point. I think it would stop then. And I think people lower down the leagues, that's a tool that, that you know, leagues can use right to the grassroots. If there's unacceptable behaviour, you lose points. And you're each responsible for your team. In the same way that if a goalkeeper throws one in, you lose points. Yeah, if you make an individual mistake, that's an area that you can be held to account in the way that actually people care about. And, uh, and I think if you start, you know, not for, you know, perhaps third offence. Yeah, the, second, the first one's a warning, second one's like, right, next time. If you're out in front of us for this sort of behaviour again, your team loses a point. And then it happens again, you lose more points. Yeah, that's the whole problem is the level of punishments. I mean, generally you say, oh, a long ban, a touchline ban. Touchline ban is the most pathetic, irrelevant punishments in football history. Bear in mind, there was a manager of Liverpool who won three European Cups who most of the time actually preferred to sit in the stand. And now it's supposed to be some sort of punishment. They can still interact with the team. They can still go and give a team talk. It's absolute. A touchline ban, it, I mean, literally, I mean, it's not even a slap on the wrist. It's like being hit with a wet fish. It's, it's like being attacked with a balloon on a stick. It's nonsense. The only thing it does here is is that Klopp doesn't get the chance to parade up and down the technical area like the modern manager likes to do. Not like some of the old managers who are quite happily sitting in the stand and have a cup of tea at half time, shake someone's hand and walk down the tunnel. It doesn't work that way. Klopp likes to be there beating his chest on the pitch. So you're only really punishing his, in a way, his sense of where he wants to be. And you can't tell me that they have any sort. I mean, do you really think, I mean, do we still really think that managers on the, in the technical area, shouting and barking at the players, have any effect? I mean, Jeremy mentioned Pep, and, and he does it. And I mean, Pep's manic, you know, we saw that. And by the way, he got away with, um, with, with not being great with Craig Pawson, the thought fourth official during the Arsenal game. We were so blown away, by the way, since he played, we forgot about that. But, you know, do you think, you know, you see Pep players when he's rattling and raving on the touchline, and they're looking at him as they're thinking, you know, what's he on about? Listen, if you're not, if your team's not ready to do its job when it walks out there on the pitch and doesn't know what it's doing, you're not going to change anything. So touchline ban, absolutely useless. You can give one game, two games, ten games, useless. Financial, we all know how, how, how whether financial penalties don't really make much difference either. So what do you do? Stadium ban is probably more, um, you know, they would feel like it would be more penal, it would be more draconian than a touchline ban. Klopp would feel like, remember? And I can't remember. I'm trying to think of the last time a manager got a stadium ban, and I'm thinking it's as long ago as Jose Marino uh, the Stoke City one. Um, remember, I'm, I'm trying to think, and I can't think of any stadium bans since then for managers. Don't know what's happened to them. So, so, so in in the end, so so the long game, as Matt says, the the absolute deterrence, the the, the absolute deterrence is points deduction. Yeah. So that's we, we would all agree that. I love it. So who's given the points deduction, Matt? Who is administering the points deduction? Well, I mean, this is this. We come back to uh, the FA. Roles. Right. So the Premier League give the FA the, they're happy for the FA to do the dirty disciplinary work. So you do that. But do you really think the Premier League, which don't forget is just a cabal of 20 club owners, do you think it would sit by and allow the FA to take points off a Premier League team? Not a chance. Not a chance. And the FA, don't forget, don't forget Klopp up and down the touchline, Klopp in the face of the fourth official, 
Guardiola, whatever, Klopp running to the pitch, Guardiola, oh, that's it, just again. It's all part, whether we like it or not, this is the way you see it, it's all part of the Premier League package. It sells TVs. What are some of the most memorable incidents? I mean, um, Tuchel and Conte. I mean, I, you know, I mean, no, we, we, we all right. Oh, this is a disgrace and set a wrong example. But we watched it being replayed a hundred times. It's part of the Premier League package. It's what these characters, to speak, on the touchline, they like it. The Premier League are not going to sit by and say to the FA, oh, I'll tell you what, you deduct points. And can you imagine the legal ramifications? Imagine now, okay, for, for, for Jurgen Klopp's indiscretions the other day, can you imagine the, the Premier League saying, well, I'll tell you what, we'll take two points off you for that, for your manager's um, misdeeds. And then they miss out on the Champions League by two points. And the financial ramifications of that, which are literally running into tens and tens of millions of pounds. I agree it is the obvious ultimate deterrence, but there's no way, there's no way on earth that that will happen while, you know, it, 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 the Premier League will just not allow that to happen. They're happy for, to say to the FA, you can do this, you can do that. But the FA know that to, be, to stay relevant, they can't particularly antagonise the Premier League. Otherwise, the Premier League could just, the Premier League could literally, that powerful, they could literally say, well, I'll tell you what, we'll do it ourselves. We'll do the discipline ourselves. And, yeah, and, and then you're into a whole mess then that would go on. I totally agree. Point deduction is the ultimate deterrence. It will never happen because the Premier League will never allow it. Well, that's because the FA just have this tried three headed uh, responsibility for the England team for discipline and for upholding the game. And they need that needs to be three bodies nowadays. You need a, a bespoke football disciplinary board that are independent of everybody, including the FA. Or we get the farce where technically they are the FA keep appealing their own decisions these days, you know, over various racism bans because they don't think they're draconian enough. And we've got to start taking it seriously because actually the the, the some serious. I agree, you know, it's part of the tapestry of the game seeing these bust ups. But the serious level is uh, grassroots when when poor kids who are trying to referee games get abused by parents and the rest of it. And and it's just, we've been saying it's got to stop for 30, 40, 50 years now. And, uh, you know, it has too long for us to be moaning about it without actually taking direct act. We, we, listen, there's, there's no right-minded sort of football observer disagrees with that. And, and say to me, I, I'm, I'm, I've been banging on my for ages. However, you can't get away from the fact that what you see, for example, Jurgen Klopp, for as many people as, oh, you know, he's a disgrace, and we all say, I need a disgrace. One, local fans don't care. Two, people do actually find it. How many times have you heard him compared to, you know, the ranting Basil Fawlty or, or whatever? And it's funny. Him pulling his hammy was funny after, you know, whatever. Now, it's not funny him going to confront John Brooks, who, by the way, had a very good game as referee last night. And just quickly going back to the Paul Tierney, by the way, Grossi. Absolute game, and, and in real time, I didn't think it was a sending off. I thought it was it, 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 it was it was a yellow for dangerous play. Um, but I, and I've seen people raise the boots that high and not be sent off. So I don't think it was cut and dried as people said. It might have been on countless TV replays. But you know, half of the when it's when the outrage about Klopp has died down, it's a source of entertainment. The Premier League see that. That's the problem. That's the problem you've got, Andy. You know, back in the day, yeah. I'm disappointed that I'd love. I love the visions of Klopp walking down a touchline, punching the air, revving up the crowd afterwards with four punches, and you know all that. That's part of the tapestry. That's part of the occasion. I mean, he's just got to cut out the fact that his first thought when that goal went in was, "I can have a go at the official," and we've got to find a way of doing that. So, you know, I, I agree. It, 
it's funny to us the hand students are classic and that's what we'll be talking about one of the incidents do you remember then when, when we do it enough and finally in 20 years time on this podcast of winning we'll, we'll be going back to that do you remember the day when um Jürgen Klopp did this hammy remonstrating with an official and and yeah it's all part of it but it, it's got to, it's got to not be part of it unfortunately uh, and we've got to give up the fact that it's hilariously funny um just for the fact that, that there's a wider perspective in Let's move on to Big Sam and Leeds, because if there was a more bizarre story um, than in managerial terms than I've yet to see it, this season, frankly, has been the, 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 the year of the interim and uh, the caretaker boss. And they're basically, Big Sam takes the biscuit and, and trumps everyone, basically. What could he earn? Three million for four games. I mean, it's just absolutely, absolutely bonkers. And, uh, and then breathes in by comparing himself to Guardiola, Arteta, and basically says he's as good as Klopp as well. I mean, it's just, it's just, the guy does not lack self-belief. But I tell you this, Jeremy, has he got a chance? Has he got the remotest chance of stopping the lead slide? You look at the games, it's a tall order, but can he, can he, can he do it? I mean, it's bizarre what's going on at the bottom of the, bottom of the table, isn't it? Leeds could feasibly not win another point and still stay up. So they've got a better goal difference than Forest. Leeds have got to go to Man City on Saturday and he could get bumped 6 7 nil of that advantage he's got. So, look, he, he has a great track record of firefighting, five and seven, as we, he's now known. And, you know, we, that's probably his greatest strength. But four Rangers will go in the blink of an eye and there are four tough games. You know, City probably won't get anything from there. Got a host Newcastle who are on a great run. I think they've won eight of the last nine. Then you've got to go to West Ham who are scrapping at the bottom. Obviously, he's the former manager of West Ham. The West Ham fans despising, so it's going to be a tasty atmosphere there. And play Tottenham in the final game at Ellen Road, and that could well be Kane's last game for Tottenham. So he'll want to go out on a high. So I can't seem to get another point if I'm being brutally honest because the defence is shambolic. And the dressing room is in chaos, but from what I'm told. So, um, he has a huge. He actually admitted, "I must be mad for taking this on," but we all know why he's taking it on. Since he's back in the limelight, it's a chance to earn some major dose. So, um, look, desperate times call for desperate measures, don't I suppose? And it's, but we just go back to that interim thing. He is now the third manager this season. Southampton are on the third manager. Tottenham are on the third manager. It's just crazy. Wick appointing a manager used to be the most important decision a club made. Now it just seems like looking at sweet Joe's available. Let's bring this guy in. He'll do for a few months. It's sort of madness. It's like a short-term fix, but when did the short-term fix result in a long-term gain? I mean, look, if he keeps them up, he'll get he'll keep the job, but who knows what he could achieve. But they are a club in turmoil. There's no getting away from that. Yeah. yeah. Andy, I thought we said it all about the state that leads are in. That basically once you once you sack Harry Grazia and basically make another change, you know, um, and bring in Sam Allardyce, the Victor Alter, the director of football, had to go effectively, didn't he? I mean, basically, it, it, the very definition of his job, you know, directing the football, the football, football future, meant his job was effectively untenable, which is just, you know, bizarre in itself because it's Big Sam, I guess, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. The direction of the football club. Obviously, you're not going in any particular direction with 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 with, with Allardyce. You're you're basically open for an impact over a short period of time. What I would say is that away from all whatever we think about, you know, his chance of doing or Allardyce's chance of doing, I do think sometimes the reason for these changes in manager, a lot of them, is is not necessarily that you've got someone lined up to come in or someone might do a this type of job or that type of job. It's just that you've got to get some, you've got to get, there's a way of thinking of, actually, you know what? We need to get this guy out of here. No matter who comes in after having, after Gracia, it's got to be better than what's happening now. And I do think that that was the case quite rightly. Roy Hodgson is getting a whole load of credit for what he's done at Crystal Palace. But I do think it was also a case of actually, you know what? Anyone but Vieira. And I don't mean that because obviously, I mean, I think, I think Vieira is fantastic. But clearly the players were in no way whatsoever responding to him. We're in no way playing for him. That's clearly been the case. Well, when I say clearly been the case, you know, I've seen flashes of leads. I think they look a decent team in parts. You know, I didn't think. I mean, I only saw the highlights, so maybe one of But I didn't think of Bournemouth they were that bad. You know, I th- there was one or, two, one or two moments. In fact, before Bournemouth scored, and when it was 2-1, I th- I'm thinking, you know what? And then you see them defend, and you think, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, so... So I do think there's an element of, of basically, listen, let's just make the change because they're not playing, they're not winning for him and they're shipping loads of goals. Let's just make a change. Who can we get there for four games? Who else is going to go there for four games? You know, it's... <laughs> he called himself, he did actually say even his friends called him Red Adair. And that's obviously for a certain generation who remember Red Adair. But it did take Red Adair longer to put out the uh, the fire from the pipe at Alfredy's ass there. Sam's got to save Leeds. That is absolutely, absolutely bonkers. You're right, Andy. I do think that they've basically got some nice players and produced nice performances, but it's just like, show me a more committed player in the Premier League than Luke Ailey, who I just think is, is, you know, is a fabulous kind of advert for what, what we used to call in Sunday League, and by no means am I calling him Sunday League. I think he's great. Um uh, uh, you know, club man Luke Ayling, who's a super, super committed pro, and and really, you know, puts his heart on the line. Got so much admiration for for him, week in, week out, and he's you know leads running through his you know veins. I think looking at him, but it's just you know it's just falling apart, isn't it? Basically, because that 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 confidence and that lack of belief. And so when him, you know, he's making fundamental mistakes, which never in a million years is he trying to make. But you know, then I just feel blimey. Does that does that change need to happen to give them a different voice? And it, you know, that's presumably why Matt, you know, the, uh, with Big Sam. I mean, he, he, let's let's be clear here. I think if there was a Big Sam, fa- you know, fan club here, you'd be founder, secretary, general. What what Sam did was, uh, uh, and the reason why he's got quite a hardcore of supports, particularly local to Bolton, is when he was there, he invited a number of us in behind the scenes uh, for a session and showed us how, just how much, yeah, or football. It wasn't that sort of a session. Well, it became that sort of a session. Uh, there was some football involved early on. Um, I do remember Les Ferdinand, who was there as a striking coach, when I asked him the way to the pitch, just laughed. But, uh, but yeah, he put on a session and he showed us some of the sports science that they use Prozone, the early days of Prozone. And from that, you realize he's a man who, for all the the bluff outside sort of character, he, he puts a serious amount of thought and, and, he, and his ludicrously oversized teams at the time that, that used to, the entourage, they all do a job uh, and they find little gains that they can put together. 
um, to, to, to put a complete package together. And then on top of that, you've got this over-belief that he'll convince people or try to convince people he's the greatest manager in the world, the old Sam Aladici thing. Uh, yeah, he was going to do this, that, and the other. Um, 100% record with England, of course. Um, but uh, all these things. He, Blackburn, he, he's moved, walked into Blackburn larger than life just before Christmas, um, back, back back in the day, to a pool inside that, that had lost seven on the spin. Uh, and the next four results were two wins and two draws against, including a draw against City, actually. He, for some reason, just seems to be able to turn things around quickly. If the way is right, if the players are there, you can't do it with nothing. But for that short-term appointment, that I can't see any better. What these need to not do is make the mistake they did last time they pulled this card, which was when they looked like being relegated in 2003 and called Peter Reed in for a short time in charge. He again waved the magic wand and got a great result, a hybrid at the time, which stopped Arsenal winning the title and kept Leeds up. And the mistake they made was then to give him the job on a full-time basis which is an absolute car crash. So uh, hopefully he's don't make the same mistake again. For all that Sam's, you know, can be a great manager in a certain set, set of circumstances, they need a proper footballing direction. Any club that goes from Bielsa to Allardyce in 14 months needs to have a serious rethink about where they're heading and what sort of football they're doing. So by all means, come in, give them a load of money if they keep keeps them up. But uh, let, let's just see it for what it is, which is a, a one-off clout that, of trying to save their their Premier League state. Actually, this is not rocket science. We, anyone around this table can work it out. All, all he needs to do is make them harder to beat. If that gets them a point here or a win there somewhere, how we'll probably kick them up. What I do know it, it's going to be entertaining while it lasts. Because I mean, he's even taken a pop at the ju- ju- judicial system yesterday because Sammy Lee, who he wanted to bring in as his assistant. Serving Germany servants. He was moaning about the fact that Sammy couldn't come in and take a job. He had to serve on this jury. It's like comedy gold. You can make it up. It's tabloid heaven, this stuff. It's obviously his first name. He's against the manager he compares himself to as the greatest of all time. What could possibly go wrong? Exactly. 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 When it's 4 0 at half time. Anyway. But look, guys, so, thanks so much for joining. Really nice to see you all. And um, yeah, see you same time, same place next week.